Hello, and welcome to Ghostly History. I'm Brian Thomas, your ghost of his Ghostly History, where we talk about historical ghost stories. This week, we are doing a, li a little different than ghost stories. I'm talking about the history of Halloween. So get your snacks and get ready. Here we go. Okay, so I originally had this one planned for Halloween, but I am the world's greatest planner greatest planning skills here and i'm currently recording this in november i'm pretty great at planning aren't i very good at it okay so every like halloween tradition and ritual goes back to three different holidays celtic new year's festival catholic all saints day or all souls day and the protestant celebration guy fox day it doesn't look the way it sounds it's like hawk both an F, and I cannot pronounce things, so I didn't say that word. But the earliest origins of Halloween go to the Samhain, which is a Celtic harvest festival, and it's a multi-day celebration, which marked the beginning of winter during pre-Christmas times. During this time, the celebrations had a lot of slaughtering of livestock and a lot of harvesting. So it was a lot of feasting and heavy drinking. But at the same time, the celebrations were still sacred and kind of ominous at the same time. During this time, it is believed that doorways opened to the supernatural world and ghosts and spirits would come through and be about with everyone else. But then also the Celtics believed that their deceased ancestors would come and interact with them and even harass them because every ghost story has to do something with harassing everyone, someone else. One of the, an important tradition during this time was actually bonfires because it would get, it would be a time of darkness. So they wanted light. When Catholicism arrived to the British Isles, Catholicism did what it did and changed pagan holidays to their own holidays. Because November 1st in the 8th century, it was declared to be All Saints Day, and then later, November 2nd, was declared to be All Souls Day. I, for some reason, used to think that both of these days were the same thing, just different names. I don't know why. I went to Catholic school a lot of my life, and I never knew they were two separate days. Well... I guess that's my own fault because I didn't pay attention. I'm not Catholic. Never been Catholic. Nothing against him. I just didn't like going to a school learning about something. I wasn't. As time went on, these holidays absorbed some of the old traditions. And All Saints Day actually used to be called All Hallows Day. So that's where we get Halloween and also All Hallows Eve. Like the way that flows. All Hallows Eve. E. I'm a big Halloween fan. This makes me giddy talking about all this stuff. During the Protestant Reformation, All Saints Day and All Souls Day were banned, but a lot of traditions still lived on because of Guy Fawkes Day. I think that's funny. Like, a lot of holidays that were banned had all other holidays during the same time. So those traditions kind of absorbed into that other holiday. It's like, whenever they banned something, they really didn't ban it. They just changed the name and made their own spin on it. Like, but it's like, with every religion or culture, there's a holiday around the same time. So we get all the holidays around, around, like, December. It's like, just, 
every religion or culture just around the same time. It's like Easter tends to be around the spring solstice. I believe New Year's is around the winter solstice. Not 100% certain on that, though. I'm not sure. But a lot of traditions from Guy Fawkes Day evolved into a lot of traditions that we have today. But Guy Fawkes Day celebrated bonfires, feasts, turnip carving, begging, pegging pennies from neighbors, and like other little mischief-making things. But they all were important to Guy Fawkes Day. But a lot of those, you probably can tell, can you can see in today's Halloween, like the turnip carving pumpkin carving, the begging peg- pennies from neighbors, going trick-or-treating, like the mischief-making, you get like trick-or-treat where a lot of people pull tricks. I never did. I was a good kid. I wish I pulled some tricks. That would have been made life interesting. While researching for this podcast, I actually found this very obscure website that had a lot of false information. It was, it said, it, it, was, a, it was about Christianity, all of the origins to Halloween, which I'm not denying Halloween has a lot of Christian origins, but the stuff this website was saying was funny how wrong it was. It One of the things was it said was that trick-or-treating came from when they like passed the plates around at church and you put money in it, which I couldn't even... I guess I could see how you could get from passing around money plates to trick-or-treating. It would take a lot of different steps. But, no, it's just, there. Were, I forget what it was, but there was just like a bunch of other stuff like that, which I thought was funny. I'm like, of course there's going to be websites with wrong information, but I, I just, I thought it was funny. Halloween, it's a celebration between the living and the dead. But when I see celebrating the dead, I see it as celebrating life. It's like, it's sad, someone dies, but you're honoring them, you're celebrating the life they lived. It's just, I like it. It's, it's beautiful to me. Celebrate every, you should celebrate death because you don't want to forget the people. If you're so sad that you don't want to have a funeral for them, that means you should. You cared about those people. You should celebrate them. It's one of the reasons why I love Halloween. It just, it celebrates these type of things. There's a ton of other cultures that celebrate death. Because Mexico, you have Dia de los Muertos. And then in Ghana, you have the Fantasy Coffins. In Madagascar, you have Famadihana. In Bali, you have Nagaban. New Orleans, you have Jazz Funerals. There's so many different ones. And in Japan, there's the Oban Festival. All of these different communities celebrate death. Because like, it feels like celebrating death nowadays just feels like a taboo subject. No, embrace it. It's like Halloween. It feels like it embraces celebrating things that should be celebrated. It's like Halloween used to be this widespread thing that everyone did, but it just feels like in more recent times, less and less people celebrate Halloween. But it's not, Halloween just isn't Halloween. It's just like, it isn't just devils and demons. It's just a celebration of different cultures that have merged together over the years celebration celebration of death celebrating lives it's just halloween just isn't halloween it's a bunch of other different things i know at the beginning i talked about the origins of halloween but i i feel like halloween just like there is something 
from like every culture. Every culture is a celebration of death. And I feel like just all of them go into Halloween. It's just Halloween isn't just from one culture or that religion. It's it's everything combined. It's like you don't need to be religious to celebrate Halloween. You can just celebrate Halloween to celebrate Halloween. You can celebrate Halloween in different ways. It's like you can just dress up and go trick-or-treating or just watch movies or just go be with the people you love and care about. It's like, like I, it's kind of like Thanksgiving without the commitment. It's like, yeah, you don't have to go hang out with people, but if you want to, you can. And it's more fun. Because if, if going and hanging out with your family, if it doesn't feel like a commitment, it just feels more special. Now I want to talk about, like, the origins of, like, different little Halloween traditions. First one I'm talking about is carving jack-o'-lanterns. Tradition of jack-o'-lantern carving originated in Ireland using turnips. This tradition is allegedly based off a legend about a man called Sting Jack who repeatedly trapped the devil. And would only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. But when Jack died, he learned that heaven did not want his soul either. So he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lamp of coal and a carved out turnip to light his way. Locals eventually began carving scary faces into their own turnips to frighten away evil spirits. The next tradition I'm talking about is seeing ghosts. The festival of Shamhan marked the transition to the new year at the end of the harvest and beginning of the winter. Celtic people believe that during the festival, spirits walked earth. Later on, Christian missionaries introduced All Souls Day on November 2nd, which perpetuated the idea of the living coming into contact with the dead around the same time of year. That's cool. Do love me some good ghost stories. It's also cool, like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like a lot of ghost stories I hear about don't happen around Halloween. We got a lot of horror movies that tend to happen around Halloween, but you don't have a lot of ghost stories that happen around Halloween. I need some good, I need to find some good, solid ghost stories that happened around Halloween. That might be my next podcast. I'm not quite sure what it is yet, but that'd be fun. And wearing costumes on Halloween. It came from the Celtics. And they did it in order to avoid being terrorized by all the evil spirits walking the earth during Shamhan. And the costumes they wear tended to be scary and absurd so that they would scare the ghost away. They also did it so that they would be mistaken for spirits so that they'd be left alone. Because I believe spirits caused mishap and mayhem and just all-around terrorized people. Next up is trick-or-treating. There's a little bit of a debate around the origins of trick-or-treating, but there were like three general theories about where it came from. The th- first theory suggests that during Shaham, Celtic people would leave food out to appease spirits traveling the earth at night. Over time, people began to dress as these unearthly beings in exchange for similar offerings of food and drink. The second theory speculates that candy boon stems from the Scottish practice of goozing, which is a secular version of souling during the Middle Ages. Generally, 
children and poor adults would collect food and money from local homes in return for prayers for the dead. The third theory argues that modern American trick-or-treating stems from bells snickling, a German-American Christmas tradition where children would dress in costume and they would call their neighbors to see if the adults could guess the identities of their disguise. In one version of the practice, the children were rewarded with food and other treats if no one could identify them. It's pretty cool. I'm not sure about you, but growing up, when I went trick-or-treating, I never trick-or-treated in my neighborhood. My mom was afraid of, afraid of my neighborhood, so we would instead go to our local mall and walk around the shops and trick-or-treat, which I enjoyed more because I always enjoyed going to the mall when I was little. I still do because we'd always do a little shopping while we were there. I do love me some good shopping, especially around Halloween. I wear a lot of black, so I feel like October, November, September... It's always a good time for me to shop for clothes because they're clothes I like. Next tradition I'm talking about is black cats. I love cats. I've never owned one because I have some family members that are allergic and my mom doesn't like them. But I love them. They're so cute. Especially black cats. They're little spooky babies. But the idea of being spooked by black cats comes from the Middle Ages when dark felines were considered the symbol of the devil. It didn't help that a while later, accused witches were often found to have cats, particularly black ones. People began to believe that the cats were a witch's familiar, which if you don't know, a familiar is a supernatural entity that would assist in their practice of dark magic, which, that's stupid. I like cats, like, it's like being racist towards cats. Like, it's just stupid, not true things. It's like, especially if cat, like, they're little babies. Have you, like, people who don't like cats, especially black cats, I don't think I've ever met a cat. It's like, they're just little balls of fur that have boundaries. It's like dogs, they don't care when they're touched or messed with, but cats do. It's like, you don't want to be randomly came up to and just touched. So don't cats. You gotta respect them like you respect people. I feel like people just don't want to respect something that they technically own. Not gonna rant about. Not gonna continue ranting about this because I could rant for hours about this. But anyway, now we got Bobbin for Apples, which has some love and romantic rooted ideas. The game choices back to a courting ritual. That was part of the Roman festival of honoring Pomona, the goddess of agriculture and abundance. While multiple versions existed, the whole like gist was young men and women would be able to predict their future relationships based on the game. When the Romans conquered the British Isles in around 43 AD, the Pomona festival blended into the Samhain festival, which is the Protestant one, which then kind of blended in with Halloween, which all goes back to like the same thing where every culture and religion has similar holidays around the same times of year. I love whenever when things tie into one another. I got an idea, and then it ties in with every single other idea. It's just I'm a person that loves when things intertwine. 
Okay, now I have the origin of candy apples. Candy and things have always been the way to preserve them. And at this point of the year, it's fall, it's getting dark, it's getting cold, nothing's growing. For food, you got to preserve it. So they started candying different fruits and apples to preserve them. But apples specifically came from the Roman festival of Pomona. The goddess was often associated with apples. Now we have bats. Bats came into the picture of Halloween because with the with Shaham, they would light large bonfires, which would attract insects, which in turn would attract bats. So the bats would just come for food. I love bats. I keep saying I love this, I love that, but I, I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite things. It's why I wanted to do my podcast on ghosts and stuff. Just it's so fun and interesting. When people don't love it, I'm like, why? There's so many cool details. There's like, there has to be at least one detail about Halloween everyone likes. And if they don't, then poo-poo them. Okay, now I have for ya some like just Halloween-y themed things, some ghosty themed things, just those type of things in general. So there's this 3,500 year old Babylonian tablet that could possibly contain the earliest known depiction of a ghost. The tablet was made around 1500 BCE, which if you don't know means before Common Era. The clay tablet is part of a guide to exercising ghosts in the British Museum collections. And by exercising, I do not mean taking to the gym, I mean getting rid of. Just, just some people don't know how to make sure I was clear on what I'm saying. I don't like being misunderstood. The plate itself has directions that call for exorcists to make figurines of a man and a, ro- a woman, prepare two vessels of beer, and at sunrise speak the ritual calling on the Mesopotamian god Shamas, who is responsible for bringing ghosts to the underworld. An expert says that the images are one of a ghost and one of a person. The text's final lines also say the words, not look behind you, which they're not sure who this is intended for. It could be aimed at figures entering the underworld, but it's also possible it's aimed at the person who's trying to get rid of the ghost. Boo! Are you guys awake? Good. Okay. Have to keep you on your toes here. Felt like I was falling asleep there. But that's what I get for recording this at night. But I like recording at night. It has the right feel. If I recorded it during the day, it would feel wrong. So, we do it at night. But next, I have, like, the origins of, like, modern ghost stories. Womp womps. Stories started becoming more menacing during the 18th century when gothic fiction came to be more popular. And, like, gothic fiction is, like, very specific, dark imagery, 
bleak fog filled dark castles and it's kind of like it's like a subgenre of gothic horror and there's like a lot of like the original stories of this were like frankenstein dracula and oddly enough a christmas carol i thought that was funny like christmas and halloween combining like typically people who love christmas hate Halloween, and people who hate Halloween love Christmas, which I don't hate Christmas. I love Christmas. I like getting people things, but I just love Halloween more. I could care less about getting presents. I just like making people happy. But stories like today in particular, Stephen King's novels is like called like American Gothic, which is more of a modern version of gothic fiction like Stephen King stories are always set like in a small town America they're not quite ghost stories but they're not quite not either they're kind of just like in between type things but it's just always you get that feeling of something just not quite right but like throughout the known world there's been ghost stories like Ancient Mediterranean to Mesopotamia, China and Egypt. There's just like everywhere has ghost stories. And they're pretty awesome. Like according to the Mesopotamians, when a person's body physically dies, it creates what's known as a getem, an imprint or an image of a person at the time of their death, which is retained through their memories and personality in ghost form which this is probably where you get like where ghosts live where they die it's probably where they we get that idea from in mythology of the afterlife people believe the soul of the dead would travel to the underworld or urkala an inescapable place where spirits would dwell for eternity but in some cases it was even thought that spirits or getem could escape and come into our world, the mortal world. Mesopotamians believe the Ginnim, who like were in the mortal realm, did so because they had not received a proper burial. They assumed these spirits could not find peace, so instead they would haunt family and friends. This probably is this is probably where the idea of ghost or ghost because they have unfinished business comes from. But the Greeks separated ghost into three different subcategories the adophoi the eroi and the bioethanatoi the adophoi were believed to be the spirits of people whose bodies had not received a proper burial an example of this in greek literature is elphenor from homer's odyssey Elfenor is a companion of Odysseus. He fell off a roof while intoxicated, and his body was left without a burial. When Odysseus later visited the underworld, Elfenor's shade appeared and begged the hero for a burial. The Greeks also believed in the Aeroi, whose spirits of those who had died too young the spirits were left unfulfilled by life and could easily become vengeful after death. I like that. Because I feel like a lot of stories have children, 
like when they die being just like little vengeful beings like little gremlins which is great I'm like i like how that has an origin like ghost spirit like children ghosts being like little gremlins i like how that has like an origin also like how it's greek it is very greek for that being the origin of that if it's the origin i'm not positive this is just me spitballing here and then the greeks fought a bio thanatos was the spirit of a person who had suffered a violent death including those who died in a battle or war much like a antifoy ancient greeks believed that a bioidothanatos would become active if they were not properly buried indeed the majority of ghost stories from greek literature find their origin in improper burial suggesting burial sites were essential elements of ancient greek religion you can't see me, but I'm doing a cute little awkward smile. Felt like it was needed. Which, if you look at Greek literature, there's a lot of where you can see where modern ghost stories come from. Or just like halloween ghost stories in general, like Odysseus and Underworld. And any Greek tragedy in general. Greek tragedies, they're just like a different breed. They're awesome. If you haven't looked at any of them, I suggest looking at them. Greek like Greek tragedies, they are beautiful. Mwah. Chef's kiss. A lot of ancient Greek stuff is awesome. I love me some good Greek art, Greek literature, like especially the paintings or pots, like or vases. There are some awesome Greek vases, and it's like every like ancient Greek art. It tells a story. I love things that tell a story. That's why I love Greek Greek literature. They have awesome stories. In Mesopotamia, Greece, and Rome, it, they're like believed to be multiple forms of life after death, which a lot of them have origins of not proper burials. It's all of these cultures have their origins of ghosts with not proper burials. And it's like, and today, there's also a lot of ghost stories that are like, oh, this person's missing a limb. They're a ghost. This person was shot and killed in the woods, not buried. Oh, there are ghosts now. Oh, that like even the Titanic. There are a bunch of stories of like Titanic ghosts from people who go down there. This isn't like an actual ghost story, but I I it was a tragedy like what happened with that sub recently that went down to the titanic but i saw people making jokes about it was the ghosts getting one last revenge on the rich people that locked them down there because if you didn't know during the titanic the upper class people locked the lower class people down in their level to drown that's all i got for you today Come back next week and listen to the story of, I'm not sure yet. I have to figure that out. Because again, my world-class planning skills always plan perfect timing. But, <laughs> hope you listen to the next one. Good night. Goodbye. Peace out.